Hello, happy Halloween, and welcome to episode 33 of Inherited Will, a One Piece podcast. A weekly podcast discussing each week's manga chapter and a reread of past chapters. My name is Thomas. And I'm Spooky Jordan. Oh. Uh, you threw in Halloween, so I had to do something. <laughs> Jeez. Well, just try not to scare me. You know how easily spooked I am. You scared um, me with Happy Halloween, so don't get ahead of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll be jumping right on in to chapter 1030, then later chapters 375 through 388. Well, it's fitting that we at least get Brooke on the cover here, and ants are fairly spooky as well. So, Especially when they're making those faces. Those are some very grumpy ants. Every one of them, yeah. Just... The second guy looks more sad, but every other one looks grumpy. Yeah, they're having a rough go. I suppose they're rather distressed that their probably ordinarily relatively straight line they have to walk is being uh, impeded by Brooke's shoes that they now have to walk over. He could just move, right? <laughs> I mean, he could, but by now he's already got ants marching in a line, so if he moves, some of them are going to fall. It's a whole mess. That's true. He would break the line, and that's mm -hmm, no good. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they'll make do one way or the other, though. Let's jump right on into the chapter proper. 10.30, echoing the impermanence of all things. Bit of a mouthful this time around. Yeah, and just delightful every time. Quite so. As we hoped, uh, this is a bit of a spooky chapter in a variety of meanings of the phrase. Starting with uh, this first double spread here with uh, some large terrible-looking fellas. Very sharp teeth in every one of them. Oh, yes. Having a good time. Uh, our boy Apu here, uh, for the first time in, like, what feels like a million chapters, we're checking in with Apu and Drake. Uh, it seems their tussle has ended, and they've relocated to a cave chamber somewhere on the right side of the Onigashima Skull Dome. Uh, Apu wants to uh, betray somebody yet again, team up with Drake to just kind of take out whoever wins this confrontation between Luffy and Co. and Kaido. Not a terrible plan. And I guess these two are the two with the least allegiance to any party. But uh... You say this isn't a terrible plan? I think this is awful. <laughs> I don't think there's I mean, anything even close to a chance for these five people. Well, I suppose it depends on which side actually does the winning. If Luffy's side wins, it's going to be after a pretty heated conflict that's probably going to leave Luffy, Sanji, Zoro, etc. pretty winded. Um, if Kaido's squad wins, I would imagine it's going to be with a little bit less effort. So I guess we'll just have to find out what the uh, finer details of this plan are if it actually goes through. Well, there's also still the Navy, too. Like, Drake would be double-cross, triple-cross. Like, he'd be so far out that it, it just doesn't make sense, in my opinion, of who is uh, barking up the wrong tree, hopefully. I mean, maybe Drake knows that the world government is coming, but it doesn't seem like he does, and Apu certainly doesn't have any way of knowing that. No, but they're gonna find out. That's, I mean, that's a good point. But, like, in the grand scheme of things, 
even if they were to take out whoever wins, they're not going to make it. Like, sorry, fellas. That's true. All I'm saying is that considering the information they have to work with, not the worst idea from their perspective. But yeah, no chance this works out for them. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I am pretty curious about these particular three numbers boys and why they seem to have joined up with Apu in the first place. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They don't give us anything, so. Indeed. Maybe one day we'll find out. I imagine we probably will. And I sure do hope that these three numbers are buffer than the ones we've seen so far. Uh, otherwise, I'm not going to be very intimidated by them. <laughs> Every number so far has been taken out with impressive ease by whoever they've been going up against. So, Well, they teamed up with Apu, so like... I don't know. I We'll see how it turns out. I'll reserve my judgments till then. <laughs> Quite so. Uh, going to the following page here. Drake doesn't trust Apu, understandably. He's the biggest double-crosser in the franchise so far. Yep. Uh, Apu says, right back at you, buddy, pretty much, because uh, Drake also has been stabbing some people in the back as of late. And then we get some menacing shots of our three numbers friends, one of whom is drooling. Feels bad. And uh, the deliberation continues, I suppose. I'm sure they'll come to some sort of consensus, or they'll go back to fighting, making this little scene pretty pointless. Yeah, maybe we just won't see them for another 30 chapters. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a surprise? Mm -hmm. Then we pop up to the interior of the castle, the stairs between the first and second floor. Uh, who do we got here? Usopp, Speed, Hamlet... Nami, uh, Gazelle Man, and Komachio running down the stairs, heading to floor one, running away from the fire. But uh, something spooky has caught up to them, or rather runs in front of them. Here's the rub of this chapter, Jordan. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> this bothers me to no end. <laughs> I'm kind of of two minds about the whole Kinemon actually being alive thing kinemon and we find out later uh kiku and Kondro as well but yeah. yeah on the one hand me you and everybody else who reads one piece for a thousand chapters should have seen this coming oda doesn't like to kill off his guys um so on that like line of thought it doesn't bother me all that much but <laughs> On the other hand, just because Oda does this frequently doesn't make it good writing, you know? <laughs> it would so. be... In, it, I love a good character death. Like, a death can be so powerful, so moving, and he was doing it, right? Like, Oda was actually doing it. Now, turns out, that was all a lie. Indeed. For three characters in one chapter. Three pretty big characters. <laughs> Indeed. Like, for this story arc, it, very big, very important. Oh, boy. And this one's all poo jokes, too. <laughs> I mean, sure. I know in that chapter, that episode on the chapter, when we thought Kinemon was dead, uh, we made the joke that he's been a butt before. Yeah. Uh, wasn't expecting it to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but glad it turned out that way. Not really, but, you know. No, I'm not at all. Why is this happening? <laughs> And it is a little different from some of Oda's fake-out deaths. 
Like, it's slightly different from, like, when Pell seemingly died and was brought back and pound in the chapter covers. Because at least Kinemon, maybe Kiku, and definitely Kanjiro seem like they're going to go on to have narrative importance going on, as opposed to those other two, which is just, like, surprise, happy endings for these people. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even so, the constant fake-outs are uh, continuing the grind, my dears. <laughs> right. Like I said, they're important characters for this arc. In the grand scheme, I don't know. Not that important. Like, let let some of your creations go, please. <laughs> Maybe they'll still die. Maybe uh, he just really wanted to bring back this Kinemon uh, speaking through farts from his bottom half joke again. And then he'll, once he's made it the second time, he'll just be like, okay, I'm done with Kinemon now. He can die for real. Because he's still in rough shape, as is Kiku and certainly Conjuro, but For sure. They're not looking great. But, I don't know, I'm kind of getting tired of these fake deaths, too. There's been, like, six in this, uh, in this arc, at least. <laughs> uh, if you count all of them, like, each time... Conjuro and Orochi have yeah. gone down and gotten back up. I'm sure it's a, a fairly chunky number. Yes. Like, it's... I don't know. Maybe I'd feel differently if I... Well, no. I'd probably... I don't know. I was going to say if I read it all at once, but then it would be even more condensed and I might be more upset by it. Who's to say? <laughs> True. But, regardless, he's back. Yeah, there he is. Running by. Uh... To the details, though, uh, Usopp grabs Kinemon's legs as they run past. Um, Kinemon, though, doesn't have ears on his bottom half, so he can't actually like hear the responses that they are saying to his farting lower body. Uh, it rough out there. Mm-hmm. He, like I said before, is bleeding profusely still. Yeah. <laughs> um, not looking great, and I imagine him running around probably has been... Uh, not making his situation better, certainly. No. Um, Nami communicates with him, kind of, by uh, drawing the mark of the crescent moon on his butt to kind of clue him in that they are allies. Uh, he tells them something, uh, causing the group of them to split up. Usopp jumps on Hamlet and Tate's Komachio, I think. Oh... Uh... Is he still on the butt there? I can't really tell. I don't think, where he is. I don't think so. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with no on this one, just based on scale. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. He would have to be like directly behind Usopp if he was on that butt, and uh, right. he's quite a bit larger. Yeah. So I guess he's leaving Komachio behind. Uh, taking the Kinemon lights though to go do something or another, while Nami, Tama, etc., go elsewhere. It's a whole thing. Quite so. Then we check in with Kinemon's upper half. We are clued in almost immediately that Kiku is still breathing. Uh, Kinemon's top half waiting for allies to show up. And he gives a little bit of an indication of how this whole top half, lower half thing happened. Uh, Apparently, back in Punk Hazard, after Law severed him in two... It was more than two pieces, but mainly the top and the bottom. Uh, he was never, quote-unquote, properly reattached. So when Kaido stabbed him, uh, it didn't kill him. It just kind of split him 
again, <laughs> allowing him to survive and uh, go their separate ways, basically. I don't know why I don't like this, but I don't. It just... Like, what... How did he do it wrong? When has when has law ever done this wrong? Right? Like, well, strictly speaking, Jordan, it wasn't law who actually did the reattaching. Law didn't use his power to like put them back together. Sanji, Zoro, etc., found the two halves uh, and yeah. just kind of brought them back. Yeah, you're right. Hmm. So I guess that's not enough to be like permanently back together again. And when they met up with Law, he just didn't care enough to do it the yeah, right way i guess so okay i'm i'm back on board this is better <laughs> it doesn't strictly like contradict anything but it is still a little bit of a cop-out but yeah know. but it's a it's it's one situation you know it is an outlier and therefore it can be whatever the heck and that's fine by me quite so um but that's not the only man who's still alive in this room uh, Conjuro, uh, gets a phone call from across the way from Orochi. Two more people who are, surprised, not dead. Uh, Orochi gives a speech about how, oh, gotta avenge the Kurizumis, we really had it rough. Uh, go get em, Conjuro, <laughs> basically. Uh, Conjuro does something, and, like, exudes a, a ghost called Kazenbo out of his body. That uh, can go through walls and burn things. Yeah, this is a good. This is a good drawing, <laughs> indeed. It kind of looks like at the depiction of the traitor from before we knew who it was. Like when we saw like flashbacks of him speaking to Orochi in the past, this is kind of um, what he looked like. Okay, but uh, wasn't expecting it to make like a physical appearance. Yeah, I'm amazed that this man can do anything right now yeah he's really having a rough go he's been cut down like 80 times mm -hmm. i guess strictly speaking it wasn't really him the first time around but you know clearly was a second yes um and it does seem as though he's going to actually die or like maybe after this is done or maybe he's actually dead after he uses it unclear but uh in many ways conjuro's presence will be uh around for a little bit longer it seems Woo. It's causing problems for our guys, though. Um, apparently it's going around, spooking people, burning things. And uh, while we are getting, like, the report on this, uh, we check in with Momonosuke for a hot second, who still can't make a large cloud, but is trying to compensate by making a whole bunch of small clouds. So, that's something. Uh, yeah, it's at least visible in that uh, wide shot there. That's something. Mm -hmm. He's got a whole lot more work to do. Um, and so, so much time to do it. Oh, yeah. I think they said, I think it was last chapter, that there's five minutes left until it reaches the capital. Yep. Uh, don't know how much time has passed since then. Uh, a few minutes. Four though, minutes I would think. and 59 <laughs> seconds. Oh, dear. He's in trouble then. Um, <laughs> as are all those people down below. Yeah, and the people up on it. Everyone's done. The yeah. end. Especially since we find out shortly that uh, Yamato gets slightly distracted on his mission down to the bottom. Yeah. But, uh, we'll get to that in a hot second. Yeah. Um, before we move on to this 
Drew Hoo 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 business. Uh, mm-hmm. We check in with Brooke and Robin a little bit. We get a quick panel uh, of CP9 casually walking towards them, I guess. Uh, they are not currently worried or in any sort of rush. But uh, rather menacing, just seeing them casually walk there. Yeah, the lack of a background on this really unnerves me. Kind of getting the impression that like walking directly in front of the fire. That's what it feels like, right? Yeah, and even that is not like concerning them, even a no. little bit. Who boy? We know nothing about these two people, right? Nope. It has yeah. been stated that CP Zero is the strongest cipher pole, but uh, haven't actually seen any of them do anything aside from in one of the movies. Uh, Rob Lucci fights Sabo for a little bit, but. Eh. Non-canon, if I've ever seen anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, spooky. Hope somebody stops them. Got a whole lot of moving pieces here. Mm-hmm. We had a quick shot of Marco and Izo and Kawamatsu. Still haven't seen Denjiro for like 30 chapters now. Don't know what that guy's <laughs> up to. Um, hope he makes himself useful in some capacity soon. Could happen. Um, then Orochi starts to speak once again. He's talking some smack on the allies of the Kozuki, Kaido himself. All who put on airs will be brought low, he says. A cool line from the least cool man. Um, we get cool shots of Sanji and Zoro and Luffy and Kaido fighting their respective foes. All that feels good. But uh, I sure don't like that uh, Orochi's still around. Yeah, I knew we were going to have to talk about him, and I kind of mentally prepared for that. <laughs> but, uh... God, he is so smug and comfortable while everyone else is just giving their all. And I hate it. I hate it so much. Quite so. So, out of the people who were revealed to still be alive this chapter, I guess Orochi makes the most sense to be included among them just because of his weird uh, multi-headed... Uh, Yamata no Orochi powers. We don't really know how that works. We haven't seen like all eight heads been severed yet or whatever, but God, I wish he would just die. (laughs) It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. Like, I don't know. Maybe one of the fires that is going on will take care of him, but nobody else seems to be able to figure it out. Quite so. It would be embarrassing if he died from... One of the many fires that he started. That's what I'm hoping for, if I'm being completely honest here. Like, give me some of that poetic irony there. That'd be something. We can dream. Uh, But he doesn't seem worried about it at all. He's literally chilling in, like, a treasure room and picking his nose. So, uh, all he's doing is waiting for his plan to work out and for uh, his earlobe ninja fella to return so they can get the heck out of there. So confident. Indeed. Now I need that update from the Fukuro Kuju and Raizo <laughs> fight because it's relevant again. Indeed. Good job, Oda. Classic him putting the states where we really care. Uh, young Master Yamato, as he is referred to by uh, Kaido Goons, uh, running up some stairs, bopping some guys along the way, comments that the armory's on the very bottom. Unfortunately, he had the start from the very top, pretty much. Uh, it's working his way down to try and do whatever he can to stop the explosives. Uh, unfortunately, 
bit of a bit of a situation going on <laughs> right before his eyes. Uh, a big ol' Itoku Sovereignty attack. Big Mom Specialty blasts out above, uh, and a certain fella and lady come bursting out of that hole, tussling. It's a whole mess, very suddenly. Yeah. What floor were they on? Do you remember? I think they were on the second floor initially. Okay. I can't swear to that, but I think that I think Killer and Hawkins were fighting on the third floor and Big Mom was fighting directly below them on the second floor or maybe vice versa. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah, now that we have this side view of Onigashima, I've been trying to get a little bit better placement on everything. <laughs> um, but it's causing problems. Uh Big Mom about to murder Kid even as we speak. But we get a very quick flashback to a conversation I assume must have happened mere moments prior. Uh, Kid asks Law if his devil fruit has been awakened. And apparently the answer is yes, but uh, it's had a real big stamina consumption problem. So uh, if he uses it and it doesn't work, it'll tucker him out real fast and he'll probably get bopped immediately after. Same is true for Kid, but uh, they're not making any progress as they currently are, so they're going to try it anyway and hope for the best. Our classic boys doing what they do. Just casually awakening their powers, you know. Yeah. Off screen, I guess. I assume this must have happened for Law, at least, between Dressrosa and now. Otherwise, he had no reason to not do it on Dressrosa against Flamingo when he thought he was going to yeah. die. Um and it has been, like, a month, give or take, since then. Um, not factoring in, like, presumed travel time between those islands. But they've been on Wano for, like, weeks by itself. Um, so I suppose that's enough time. I guess. Don't know when Kid did it, but yeah, somewhere at the same time frame, I would imagine. Yeah, we don't. Even though we've gotten now a little bit more information, we still don't have a lot of information on this stuff. Quite so. Uh, but they're going to show off what that means for them right now. Uh, Law makes a little ball appear before him with a poof called Kroom. I love it. <laughs> Why is it called that? It. I don't know. But uh, yeah, what? Like my first thought is that like the K stands for like killer room or something like that but you would think if that's the case it would be like k hyphen room or at least a space but no it's all one word Kroom. <laughs> i'd even just go with killer room at that point like, yeah right I but Kroom, <laughs> Kroom is so good along with the poof okay. i just i don't it looks like a little galaxy or something i'm into this yeah. move certainly looks cool yeah uh but he puts his sword through the little ball that he created. Says Anesthesia. Zoops on over to her with his uh, teleportation move, I would imagine. Stabs her through the neck. Uh, but it doesn't have any physical damage. The penetration does nothing on its own, he says. But Kroom creates shockwaves from within. And boy howdy, it sure does with the shock willy move. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, why? <laughs> All of his attack names this chapter need to go 
back to the drawing board. <laughs> Little more workshopping on those, my guy. Oh, um, uh, man! But in shock his defense, Willie. <laughs> is it huh? shock wild? Like, I don't know. I don't know if it's shock Willie, shock wild. None of it makes sense. Why didn't you just call it anesthesia? I don't know. Or like shockwave. That's what he called it before, but its name is... Oh, man. Good old Shock William over here. This one needed a little bit more word shopping, Law. But in his defense, he doesn't like use awakening. He's only had this move for like two days or whatever. So shock Willie... You're you're trying oh, to man. defend Shock Willie. Get out doing of here. My, I'm doing my best, <laughs> trying to give our boy the benefit of the doubt. But uh, I love law, but that hard. is just bad. <laughs> what it, like? I don't. I don't know. Maybe I should Google W I L L E. But who Oda has said canonically, like <laughs> if the name sounds good, he'll use it. <laughs> this one doesn't sound good. Indeed, Kroom, I can accept. For some reason, it's just room with a letter in front of it, and law didn't have time. Great. What is this? I don't know. I don't know, man. But it was certainly effective. Really powerful, yes. And it was stated that Big Mom is bleeding. We can see it coming out of her mouth a little bit. Uh, There's some smoke coming out of there, too. This is the first, like, actual attack to draw blood from Big Mom that we've ever seen. So, uh... That's a big deal. She shows it with her facial expressions. She is not having a good time. Indeed. Fortunately, it doesn't seem to damage her all that badly, because in literally the next panel, she's clapping back at Law. Uh, Now you've really done it, you little brat. But uh, fortunately for him, Kid also has a uh, surprise for her. Have some magnetism, (laughs) he says. Uses his new attack, a sign, to turn Big Mom's body into a magnet. Uh, a very powerful one, indeed. And uh, yeah. makes all sorts of stuff crash into her body in an instant. Who boy. Punk clash. It's a good move. Mm-hmm. I usually take no qualms with being mean to Kid, but he really shows up here. This is a... A great showing. Quite so. A historic first props to kid moment from the Inherited Will podcast. Yeah. Well done. Whew. I still think mom is going to be getting up, you know, in a little bit, no problem. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, with Law's attack, I can see how she would be more vulnerable on the inside. But Mm -hmm. if her outside is, like, literally indestructible as it has been shown to be so far mm-hmm. uh i don't see how this is going to do any better than like any of luffy's moves or like his own like flip moves that he was doing on kaido earlier sure it can slow mama down for sure i don't know how long this magnetism is gonna you know last uh, he says it's a great stamina drain so mm-hmm. i would assume mm-hmm. it's you know requiring some level of concentration from him and uh you know they're already in some pretty dire straits so time is of the essence quite so they don't take her down quick or at least incapacitate her in some way they're gonna be in trouble uh but i guess we'll find out what happens with them next time or whenever we get back to this particular uh kerfuffle 
I think we at least have to see Kid and Law like land, <laughs> right? <laughs> we have to we have to check in with that. Then we might not see him for a little bit. Indeed. At the beginning of next chapter or whenever, they'll be like, "Whew, sure did hope that worked." Uh, and then Big Mom will like come out from the rubble and be like, "You damn whippersnappers!" And they'll run away. <laughs> <laughs> That is a very big mom uh, line right there. I don't know why you aren't writing this. I'll send some letters. I'm sure Whippersnapper translates very well in the Japanese. So Oda will oh, take my sure. advice. <laughs> uh, but as a whole, I think that like the law and kid bits were good enough to perhaps save this chapter from uh, some or criticisms from before, perhaps. But yeah. I'm I'm pretty torn on it, but uh, I mean, on that last panel, there is a hog man with a mustache. It looks like so, that's a win for me. <laughs> Automatic ten out of ten, and Panda Man's there too. Uh, it's kind of in the middle, next to this like samurai oh, looking yeah. guy. There he is. Yep. All right, way to go. Yep. Well done. Uh, Eleven out of ten confirmed. Uh, we'll get back to this next week. No break. Next chapter releases on November seventh. And that takes us into the reread segment covering 375 through 388. The beginning of Annie's lobby up until Bluno is defeated. How fun. Very fun, it turns <laughs> out. So, right back on the Puffing Tom, Yokozuna the Frog joins the fight. And uh, at this point, Oda is for sure hinting at the fact that Kokoro is uh, not exactly human. <laughs> Multiple people say that she seems more frog than human herself. <laughs> Luffy asks if she's a frog or a monster. And Kokoro gives us the answer that we've known all along, which is that it doesn't matter. Yeah, either one works for me. She's a lovely lady. <laughs> more Kokoro, please. <laughs> <laughs> we get a little bit more of her later, but uh, she's a couple fun moments throughout this chunk yeah it's it's nice she's almost uh she feels almost removed from the story because she's never really in danger um Mm -hmm. so she's just an outside observer slash commenter like we are so kindred spirits indeed classic oda though to flesh out the character of the weird sumo fraud that we met at the very beginning of this arc and to make him quite useful Indeed. Like uh, later in this little chunk, he uh, he puts his sumo skills to use. Mm-hmm, Pretty mm-hmm. good. That's what Oda does, man. He works it back in. <laughs> he always finds a way. Just like the long dog on Long Ring Long Land. <laughs> that guy's gonna come back eventually, right? Oh, I have no doubt. He'll be waiting <laughs> for Luffy on Laugh Tail. He made it there, there we for go. somehow. <laughs> uh, okay, so. Jabra, Fukuro, and Kumidori make their mm-hmm. first appearances, each sure displaying their over-the-top personalities <laughs> immediately. Um, I'm not amazed that these three were left out of the five-year-long covert operation, <laughs> but I am kind of amazed they're in CP9 at all. Yeah, that Fukuro fellow in particular uh, mm-hmm. seems like a pretty major disadvantage to a, like, intelligence organization specializing in assassination uh to have that guy who like actively leaks their intelligences all the time from the sounds yeah. of it. 
But he's the team punching bag, and he has that one move that measures all of their power, so <laughs> gotta keep him. He's important to stick around. Uh, plus, I suppose when, like, the end game for CP9 is generally get this particular person or persons dead, uh, as long as that person ends up dead, not a big deal as long as, you know, any potential witnesses also die. So <laughs> That's true. Because that's what uh, Spanda was complaining about, that they had killed more people than were necessary. Yeah. Oops. I mean, <laughs> that's problem solving at its finest, right? Mm-hmm. Just really good dudes here. We can all take a page out of Fukuro's book in that capacity. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, back to the, you know, the good guys. Uh, they're explaining a plan that doesn't matter, and then the action really starts up again. Uh, we see little snippets of fights with Luffy, Polly, Kiwi and Mozu, Zamba, and, like, eventually the first real obstacle shows up, and that's Kashi and Oimo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think up until this point, all giants have shown up in pairs, and I think that's just very cute. Like, obviously, these two are... Uh, I don't know if it's an homage or what, but like they are nodding at, uh, oh God, what is it? Groggy and, uh, Dory and Broggy. Broggy, Dory and Broggy. Yeah. Uh, like obviously they make that connection later in this, but, uh, I don't know. It's neat. I know that stops eventually, but for now, <laughs> pairs all around. Yeah. And I really like that confrontation they have with, uh, Oimo and Kashi at the gate for a little bit before they actually show up Oda builds it up like the the alliance has the advantage they're about to pull out their big guns in the form of those three big guys from the Frankie family the destroyers I think they're called Mm -hmm. Uh, then those three guys immediately (laughs) get destroyed by actual giants cutting their military strength down as they describe it considerably before they even make it past the gate basically but uh with some teamwork and some ingenuity on behalf of the uh, the Gali Law foreman, etc., they take one down and then they go on to take down the other. Well done. Boys. I love when they take down Kashi because, like, you get some, I guess, signature like named moves from people. Like, there's the hill dismantler slash from Kiwi and Mozu, mm-hmm. and like even um, Tilestone has like the tree nail something or another uh all all of them have names except for zamba who just shoots a bazooka in akashi's face while he's falling down he doesn't say anything he just smiles and shoots i think that guy gets exactly one attack name in this entire chunk and it's just bazooka bat the attack where he smacked somebody (laughs) with his bazooka (laughs) yep otherwise this dude just exists to boost zoro's ego i think pretty much (laughs) every time he sees zoro he's just like wait you should you should be the captain (laughs) indeed it's almost like he's trying to start a mutiny on the ship it sounds like it yeah (laughs) huh so luffy's out and about rampaging around taking out people left and right and while he's doing that we get a flash of one of the like soldier scrubs under spandam just frantically searching for someone to give him an order (laughs) and i don't know if that's just this person or that's the way all of the low level people are or if that's just the navy 
But I think that's a pretty big disadvantage they have against pirates, who are just always itching to do things that they've been told not to do. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I mean, when you're like a low-level grunt in a world of superpowers, basically, I can imagine uh, coming into conflict with a especially beefy superpowered fella to be quite a stressful situation. Uh, so I can... Uh, I can imagine looking to your superiors for guidance in that scenario. but uh... I would leave. <laughs> I would set down my weapon and walk away. Well, sure, but the paycheck the is not big enough. <laughs> if that's the case, though, you would probably be under the assumption that in the Navy, uh, especially on the Grand Line, eventually I'm going to have to come into contact with these superpowered demigods. And so uh should have picked a better career if your interest was your own personal safety <laughs> yeah yeah oh boy poor poor scrub quite so it rough out there for the everyman in the marines mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh i'm gonna need you to do me a favor and explain to me why the rocket man needed to do the jump didn't they get the gate open like i saw it open and then it was closed uh, the gate opened, but when they were prepping to do the jump after the five minutes had passed, it was still closed. Um, so they did a loop around, did the jump, and right as they were already in the air, it seemed, uh, that's when they got the door open and it was, you know, too late, <laughs> already airborne. Oh, I didn't realize those were concurrent. There was another situation like that. Uh, later in this chunk that I was bothered by um, when uh, oh golly when Kaku and Khalifa are getting their devil fruits like mm-hmm. Jabra freaks out and he's like get that away from me or whatever um, in that scene Bluno is like hey d- don't worry about it the Grand Line scientists have already figured out the whatever the way that it changes the body and then like the next page he's fighting luffy and i'm like this didn't they didn't specify that this was a flashback or anything this felt concurrent to me but i guess it's not or maybe bluno just air walked over there i don't know well he definitely used air door to get over there because we see that right. bit where luffy's like what what is that what is happening in front right. of me um, yes so yeah, I think, I mean, it's not confirmed, but, but what I imagine happened is Bluno saw that the receiver was off the hook after having that conversation with Fukuro and being like, you know, I kind of fought that guy. I'd be kind of surprised if like he only took down five dudes. Uh, something is afoot here. And then as he was kind of moseying his way kind of in that direction, he heard Jabra spouting misinformation and couldn't let that stand. <laughs> had to make that comment before warping etc to where he needed to be bluno does kind of seem like the type he would be a rude dude that's all i have to say don't like him rude dude with a very sick hairstyle or maybe they're real horns i don't know <laughs> uh yeah maybe i'm surprised that's never been cleared up maybe he's an oni like kaido <laughs> yeah has mm-hmm. to be uh Okay, so now that that gate thing is explained, um, 
yeah, some more fights happen. Like, some cool stuff happens in them, but, like, they're small. Everyone's moving forward and, and taking down obstacles along the way. Um, but then, like, I realized just how much Frankie and Robin have collectively gone through so soon after meeting each other. Like, I don't know. They've both been hunted down by extremely powerful people for a long time. They get captured by CP9 for a weapon they don't even care about. Uh, Spandam hates them both an unhealthy amount and beats them <laughs> to make sure they know it. Uh, and, like, this has all happened to Frankie before, basically. Uh, but now he's, you know, he's not only seeing someone else go through it, but he sees that Robin has allies that apparently will never abandon her. So, like, yeah, he has allies in his corner as well. He doesn't quite know that right now they're there uh but like i can see why frankie would start thinking like yeah this crew ain't so bad like the, he's got the ship thing like knowing that they respected their ship seeing how much they all care for each other like i can see why he would think it was a good fit even though he does kind of protest down the line <laughs> it's true frankie it's a lot of respect from me in this chunk of chapters uh just because you know kind of the vein of what you were saying uh, he doesn't think that anyone's coming for him, right? But he knows, like, for a fact, that Luffy and Co. are on their way to pick up Robin. And he's not really concerned for himself at all during this chunk. He just keeps encouraging Robin, hey, you got allies coming for you. If you wanted to escape, you probably could. You should go for it. Uh, you know, it's neat. And he's also, <laughs> he's happy for her when mm -hmm. Luffy shows up at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Like, mm-hmm. He is, I think he is genuinely happy, and he's such a weird dude, but I think of anything, he's genuine, and I love that about That's him. That's true. Good old Frankie. Love him a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, right, so, back to the Luffy Bluno thing. There was some, some nice foreshadowing from Oda when, like, Bluno and Luffy are talking, because, you know, Bluno's explaining how big of a crime this is, and you don't know what you're getting yourself into, and it shows one frame of just the world government flag, mm -hmm. and it's like, yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> we get it. I see what you did there. Good job. Indeed. Sure would be a shame if something happened to that flag in the near future. Yeah. Wouldn't mm. that be something? <laughs> Can't imagine what. Uh, but, right, to the actual fight, like, I, I guess... Luffy jumped ahead of everyone else in order to, like, farm some mobs, level up, and take <laughs> down the mini-boss solo. Because, like, I don't I don't know how else we justify Luffy's power bump here. Because he gets this one, and then I feel like he gets another power bump later in the arc. Yeah. In, it's a little weird, because in One Piece, it's not very common that we get, like, it's more common these days, but in the first half, it wasn't very common that we got like a concrete indicator of how our characters are like getting stronger. Zoro says in this chunk, oh, we've all been getting stronger as we go from island to island. But like in terms of a tangible buff, this is the first time we actually kind of see that. And it seems, aside from the gear second thing, more thematic than like narrative if that made sense. Nami says that, like, oh, a person who is hesitating 
is weaker than somebody who is fighting with purpose. And when they fought the first time back at the mansion, Luffy was still doubting whether or not Robin wanted to be saved, if she had betrayed him, etc. Same was true for Zoro mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. But now they're fighting to save her, definitively. And that appears to have given Luffy like a direct power buff. The same is true for the rest of them. And then, like you said, they get another one after the uh, Robin's I want to live moment. That's like the definitive yes. She wants us to save her. We want to save her. Our goals are aligned. Let's do it. But uh, in terms of how that made sense, like in canon, I can't explain it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously they are more experienced than they ever have been. Right? Mm -hmm. Of course. But like hours earlier, they just got (laughs) their butts handed to them on a silver platter and (laughs) now this like yeah i get it if their heart wasn't all the way in it like you said sure they would be a little weaker but they still did pretty impressive stuff while in that supposedly lowered state it's not like they regressed and then are you know going back to where they were i'm fine with it of course like whatever if they weren't getting stronger it wouldn't be an interesting story Right? Like, indeed. We see Zoro training all the time, and we can just say that other people train in their downtime too. It's different for each person, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that there's no real explanation for Gear Second here bothers mm-hmm. me. It um, It's hinted at a little bit. I mean, Luffy says, like, a few chapters before that, like, oh, I've got a new technique that I've been working on. And uh, I think he excuse says... me, he was talking about the ally robot in that moment, <laughs> and you know oh, it. Oh. Uh, yeah, my argument is moved. <laughs> you got me. You got me mm-hmm. there. Uh, but for argument's sake, let's just pretend knowingly incorrectly that he was talking about Gear Second. Uh, in that sense, it was uh, hinted at a little bit before. And I think he says, like, during this bit, that, like, he got the idea like that he needed to power up in some capacity while fighting Aokiji. Maybe that comes later. I don't remember. Yeah. No, that was this chunk. Like getting the idea. Great. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. I guess he just knows his body and his powers and what it can do. Like, I don't know. I don't, I haven't lived his life, so I can't say how easy it would be to think using your legs to pump more blood faster would be. Like, I don't, I don't know. This feels weird. Like, looking at whatever movie it is where they try to retroactively do it, like, at least they kind of give a reason for the idea to be planted in Luffy's head, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this feels like it's out of nowhere or not based in anything, you know? Like, it's not like he saw someone else do anything or he didn't have chopper explain to him that like oh there's oxygen in your blood and like if you blah 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 like i I, i'm not a doctor i don't know what i'm talking about but like (laughs) there was nothing like that you know and i just would have loved something especially since especially since luffy is already ready to pull out gear third in this moment (laughs) like now that one though i could totally see as like a completely spontaneous luffy idea because that's like yes 
cartoon nonsense right there. Yes, but, uh, that is that is monkey brain going right there. Just yeah. like, yeah. But he's already got, like he's got that in his bag, and we haven't even gotten an explanation for the previous power up. It's just it's a little weird. I love Gear Second. I love Gear Third. I love the fight with Bluno. But something would have been nice. Plus, just judging from how they were named, presumably the idea for Deer Third came after mm-hmm. the idea for Deer Second. So uh, that's a little strange if, like, one is by far the simpler idea. <laughs> but yeah, uh, who knows what's going on in that man's head. Plus, it's been, like, a while, a few weeks at least, since that uh, Aokiji confrontation. So it's not like it contradicts anything certainly no, there's right. plenty of time for him to consider these things but you're right a little bit of like a little tease before this would have helped it stick a little bit better you just would have needed one one frame or something of like i don't know maybe zoro's training and he drops his weights and luffy catches him and he compresses or whatever like that's it that's all you would need and I get it. Oda can't put everything in. But for something as big as Gear Second, I think it should have been there. Maybe I'm hanging on to this point a little long. Because <laughs> you agree with me. <laughs> but uh, uh, apparently it really got under my skin. I can tell. Do uh, you want to hear a, what I think to be a fun story about Gear Second? Yeah, I do. Uh, the first time I ever saw this ability of Luffy was also in that same game that was the first time I ever saw Frankie, uh, mm-hmm. One Piece Unlimited Adventure. This was before I had borrowed it from my friend. Uh, they and I were just playing together uh, at their house in the versus mode. Uh, he was fighting with Luffy, and I was fighting with, I don't even know, but uh, <laughs> one of Luffy's like super moves in that game is to activate your set and get a temporary power up. And mm-hmm, uh mm-hmm. He did it, and I didn't even know what the heck was happening. Because in year second, like you see the little cutscene where he like uses his legs as the pistons to pump the blood. But on, I don't know what that means. When I was like twelve, and uh, right. <laughs> then he just starts teleporting around. And he can smack you from pretty much anywhere, and it was terrible. And I still have nightmares about it to this day. Uh, and uh, thanks for that. Thanks for that. Uh, friend who will not be named spoilers and trauma in one yeah. i am so sorry i really really appreciated that but uh i do still love that game so it didn't bother me all that much <laughs> there you go that's our review for one piece world seeker or whatever go check it out at your local game stop indeed i'm sure this wii game is still in all the in all the game stops and i'm sure everyone listening still has a wii <laughs> Whew. Uh, i mean i think I think I covered most of what I felt was relevant. There's just there's a lot of fighting in this bit, so it's hard to to get good stuff out of that. Like it's good fights. I'm not knocking them, but I don't know for talking on. <laughs> it's not great. Uh, yeah, kind of as a whole, I kind of feel like this arc can be pretty. Even this beginning of this arc can be compared pretty easily to the beginning of. Onigashima, just because this is a very similar confrontation. Mm-hmm, they spent mm-hmm. Wano slash Water 7, like, to a certain extent. Like, it's building up to the stuff that's happening now, slash in Eni's lobby, pretty much. Um, 
And the beginning of this parallels pretty well with the beginning of Onigashima, just because they have to make like tactical moves to actually enter the stronghold of the enemy. And I kind of feel like this at least does it slightly more satisfyingly, satisfactorily, one of those. In more of a satisfactory <laughs> way. Yes, there we go. Uh, just in post, edit you saying that where I <laughs> said the other things, and we'll be we'll be good to go. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> I'll pitch my voice up just a little bit, and that should do it. Perfect. Problem solved. Just like, and this chunk of any lobby, it's like a whole bunch of small obstacles that they have to overcome as they slowly. I mean, not all that slow. It takes like ten chapters, and they're fine. Uh, as they're making their way towards, you know, the big obstacle, the combat with CP9 in the tower. I don't know. It just felt a little bit better than it does or did in the Onigashima bits. I can't really place, like, what the difference is, but having just recently reread this versus having read that one in real time. What yeah, it's always tough making that comparison for me. Like... If you're, it's, it's like, you can get something different out of like a TV show if you binge it or if you watch it, well, you know, whatever, piecemeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same is applied here. Like you can get burnt out on things more easily if you're reading through it, or you can just ride the, um, ride the vibe almost. Like if it's good and you're feeling it, you just keep going and it feels great. Mm-hmm. If you... Are doing the same thing and it's weekly like it gets interrupted each week so it's not your body's not processing it the same way right so yeah, that's true i don't know i love I've, I've talked about this i don't know if i've actually talked to you about this but with other people for sure i love manga because it is like one of the few things where it's updated on a weekly basis like you can you can see that the artists can make changes almost in real time if they feel the need to, or like they, they get feedback so quickly and they can put it back in. That doesn't happen with books or TV shows or, uh, stuff like that. Um, kind of, it could, I don't know. I used to read a lot of web comics and I feel like it could happen with those as well. Cause it's, yeah, it's periodic. Um, but I just, I don't know why that fascinates me, but it does. Uh, I agree with pretty much every point you just made. Um, anything else you had to comment on before we move on to the little, uh, the funny business, the hoo-hahs and such? Uh, the, there was one thing that I just wanted to ask because I'm, I, I'm not as much of a One Piece scholar as you are. Um, <laughs> oh God, you put him in, in the spot now. All right, here we yeah. go. <laughs> in this bit, there's a move that Zoro uses. Which is like the onigiri with the wavy swords and the charming stance or something. What is, what's going on there? Is that ever used again? Uh, no, and I have no idea how that is any different <laughs> from a regular onigiri. <laughs> okay, great. It really, because he's kind of far away when he uses it. So at first I was like, is that someone else? Like, what is, huh? Um, cool, the only good. thing I can think of is that, like, he. I mean, I don't, I don't have any idea how it works, but I think it might kind of be hinting towards his future Ashura abilities, just because it seems like he's using some sort of willpower or special technique to like change the appearance of his swords, which is 
kind of the concept as we understand it of the Ashura nine-headed okay. technique or three heads, nine swords. Um, but yeah, in terms of how it actually happens, I don't understand that any better than I do Ashura. <laughs> so Okay, great. Cool. <laughs> Just making sure, once again, that I did not miss something. It's one of the, like, 31 piece mysteries. 29 <laughs> of them revolve around Zoro, I'm pretty sure. So, uh, one day. One day yeah. we'll understand. <laughs> I hope so. Uh, uh, but yeah, let's get into the funny bits. So let's see here. First one I had was uh, just the stark, drastic contrast between how Usopp's sniper cane bit worked on Luffy and Chopper versus how it worked on Sanji and Frankie. Uh, sure no did kidding. get those boys a lot better than it worked on the first two. Yeah, in this second round, out of six <laughs> adults, two animals, and a child, only Luffy and Choppy were convinced, but by gosh were they convinced hard. Quite so. They were convinced enough for everybody. And yeah. really, Luffy was the only one it had to work on. So... That's Mission true. accomplished. Who's up? Yeah. Well yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, let's see. I mean, I, I think this happened before that, but uh, Frankie biting his escort as they're getting pulled out of the train car and then biting more people further down the line. Yeah. That's Frankie, very good. Frankie bites quite a few people <laughs> in this chapter. Yeah. Chapters. Yep. It kind of becomes a signature move. Kind of surprised mm-hmm. it didn't have a fun name. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, Frankie also, when they first, like, walk past the first gate, Frankie just being so amazed and so vocal about how weird any <laughs> lobby is, and Rob oh, just yes. keeps going, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Just gonna need you to quiet down a little bit, sir. Yeah, Rob Lucci comments on how, like, noisy he is, like, 12 times. And... <sighs> how could you not? Yeah. This man chose to not talk for five years, and then he meets <laughs> fucking Frankie. <laughs> Indeed. I mean, he works with, like, other weirdos, like Tilestone. He's, like, a canonically yeah. loud guy. And he's a yeller. Polly's <laughs> certainly Definitely. not at all. <laughs> yeah. But Frankie's too much for a lot of people. I get Indeed. it. It's the blue hair, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, a quote by Zoro, uh, as they are about to uh, make their descent onto Annie's lobby itself. Just leave it to luck, the man says, after being asked if uh, he had considered their landing operation before making this terrible, terrible plan. Uh, mm-hmm. No, of course he hadn't, but he's going to hope for the best. Luck's worked out for him up until now. Quite so. He's like canonically very lucky because of his whole cursed sword thing that he's got going yep. on. So yep, yep, yep. He had good reason to believe they would be okay. <laughs> or at least he would be. <laughs> Indeed can't vouch for like the randos on that ship but uh they'll figure it out quite uh the last one i had and this wasn't really like funny per se but just like a a good thing that i think oda did uh it's just how you remember like the dudes that are riding around with the dogs with like their i remember them in that first shot that we actually see them uh, Oda went out of his way to make some of those pups very cute. <laughs> oh, did he? I wasn't actually looking. I was paying more attention to their weird swords. Uh, and those swords certainly were weird, but he, like, gave each of those pups individual faces. And some of them have just, like, little, like, black dot eyes, and they got their tongues hanging out of their mouths. Oh. And 
just looked like a whole bunch of good boys that were trained to do bad boy things. <laughs> That's true. I feel bad for um, them. I've got two more to throw on here at the end. Uh, while the power scaling of CP9 is being explained, mm-hmm. um, Fukuro decides to throw in that Spandam is a nine on the scale, which is weaker than the average human with a weapon. And they rag on him so hard for that. I love it. I know they're the bad guys, but CP9's dynamic. It's very fun. I just it like is. that they're a bunch of whole bunch of strong, generally kinda silly people being like run by this terrible terrible man and they don't have any problem reminding him that that's the way it is <laughs> well he knows that they could take him out in half a heartbeat so like <laughs> he's kept in line i'm sure <laughs> quite so uh and the last one and possibly my favorite um at at one point i think closer to the end of our little section here uh spandam is like checking back in with a three-headed judge and he asks for like a status update or, or something along those lines and it cuts back to the three-headed judge and it just has a little plaque in the upper right hand corner that just says status the worst <laughs> indeed so good i That's love so. it because no one says it but oh to make sure we know <laughs> indeed. just wanted to make extra sure that we the audience knew just how bad a time uh the basterville boys were having yeah, rough good times for us. Uh, but that was my last thing of note and your last thing of note, so I guess we'll go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, no break let sweet, like I said before. Next chapter drops on November 7th. Feel free to send in your thoughts on this whole Kinemon business, uh, just how terrible you think the name Kroom and like Shock Willie is, uh, etc., <laughs> to our email inheritedwillpodcasts at gmail.com on twitter to us at inherited underscore will or simply in a comment on the platform of your choosing as always thanks for listening so long